Hey guys, welcome to the Health Addict Show. Before we get started though, I wanna cover a couple things. This show is for entertainment purposes only, meaning I am not your doctor. So if you have questions or concerns about your own health, please ask a physician, okay? Get the right information for you. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. everybody, welcome to the Health Addict Show. I'm your host, Tommy J, and we're here again today to talk to you about health, health news, and other health-related topics. All right, for today, we have two things on the docket, and they'll actually take up quite a bit of time because they're kind of important topics to talk about. The first one is an article that came through the Journal American Medical Association about oxygen therapies used on COVID-19 patients. Well, I mean, it's the big question, right? What is the best oxygen therapy treatment that we can provide for our COVID-19 population to help reduce their mortality and morbidity? And the second thing we're going to talk about is those dying questions that we all have about hangovers. We all have our cures. We all have our ideas of what helps a hangover, but getting behind the actual science of a hangover might actually help us figure out what is the best way to treat a hangover. Because, you know, We all sometimes have those days where we just indulge just a little bit too much on alcohol and we wake up the next day not feeling the best. So let's get down to the dirty science of hangovers. But first, let's talk about this study. Alrighty, the study that I'm referring to comes from the JAMA Network and it's defining optimal respiratory therapy support for patients with COVID-19. And if anybody's having trouble finding this article, I'll have it up on my site and I'll have it actually posted on a social media platform. So you can go ahead and just click on it and read it for yourself. But I'll break down the big and nitty gritty of it so you can kind of get past a lot of the information and get really to what's important to the meat and potatoes of this research study. And for those who don't understand COVID-19 and what it does to overall, one of the biggest things it does is it stops oxygen getting into the bloodstream. And we call that hypoxemia. It just causes this huge amount of inflammation in the lungs. It does have some systemic inflammation processes that does happen with it as well, but the main one's inside the lungs. And it really affects the way oxygen can get in and carbon dioxide can get out to the full point where we have people coming in with ARDS or acute respiratory distress syndrome, which is a huge part of many people's acute respiratory failure problems. So when you get into the study, you'll see terms such as acute respiratory failure, acute lung injury, and ARDS, or acute respiratory distress syndrome. The ALI is the process before you get to ARDS. So you can have an acute lung injury before ARDS. It just has to talk with your PF ratios, talking about your actual PaO2 versus the FiO2 you use. And that's based on a scale that comes from the ARDS network. And that's how we define if someone's in a full-blown ARDS or just an acute lung injury or just having acute respiratory failure. All right, enough of that. But the basis of the study is it talks about oxygen devices that we use within the hospital to treat COVID-19 hypoxemia. And just the outcomes of basic knowledge of knowing that once you progress up the systems from just standard oxygen to high flow nasal oxygen, to CPAP, to BiPAP, non-invasive therapy, to ventilation, that as you continue up the ladder, it has increasing better outcomes for patients with COVID-19. Now, of course, the idea is always not to get to intubation because there's a lot of other problems that come with having a tube down someone's throat. One is infection, or we call a ventilator-associated event. 
that every day you are on a ventilator, you actually have quadruple increase exponentially of getting an infection on the ventilator. And let's face it, it's a foreign body inside your trachea. There's gonna be risk for infection. The second reason we don't like putting people on ventilators is because of the amount of drugs that people are on. It's a very uncomfortable situation. I mean, you don't like having a tube down your throat and having a machine breathe for you. We try to make this whole thing more easy on patients when they do have to have a ventilator on them, but it's still an uncomfortable situation. Some people need sedation. Some people need blood pressure medications because of the sedation. So it's if you don't have to have that set up in the first place, it makes the entire process easier. And the main issue is there just isn't enough ventilators to go around. So the less people we can put on ventilators, the better. Because as this pandemic can get pandemic, this pandemic continues to get worse, we need to make sure that we have enough machines to treat everyone. So if we can limit people actually going onto the ventilator and use other types of therapies, we're gonna try it. All right, to so the actual part of the study though, that's important. What we found was with use of just general oxygen therapy versus high flow nasal oxygen therapy. There was a great reduction of intubation. It was from 51% on oxygen to 31% with just the high flow nasal oxygen. But even more interesting, we would think that the CPAP therapy or BiPAP therapy would be an even better outcome than from the high flow nasal oxygen therapy, but the actual results were neutral. And this is astonishing, right? Because you would think something with a higher increase in pressures like a non-invasive therapy would provide the even better outcomes than the high flow nasal oxygen, but they actually were comparable overall for assistance in intubation and days alive as far as have surviving COVID-19. There was one part of the study though that did show some interesting facts though, was that the patients that did not receive the helmeted CPAP therapy did indeed eventually need more higher support more likely than the other side. So it's not that there was an increased risk for mechanical ventilation, but when there was a respiratory distress, they were more likely to be intubated versus the non-invasive group where you could just increase the support. The point of the study was though that there was many non-invasive methods for treating COVID-19 versus having to intubate a patient right off the get-go for hypoxemia. And this is kind of different than what happened originally in the beginning of the pandemic, including even at my own hospital and many other hospitals in the area. If a patient was at risk for COVID-19 and hypoxemia and increasing O2 demands, even past six liters, we were putting a breathing tube in them. So it just shows that there are other methods for treating hypoxia in these patients. And I mean, you can try proning, you can try the high flow nasal oxygen therapy, you can try CPAP for a while. Obviously, if the patient continues to deteriorate, you're going to have to use other methods, but there are other ways to bridge the patient before having to choose these intratracheal methods. All right. Now, how many of you ever gone out, gone drinking, even just for a couple drinks, end up having just one too many, gone home and woke up the next day not feeling the best? Normally, this happens a lot with people that overconsume alcohol, and we call this, of course, the hangover. Now, for some of you, which I don't understand how, can drink excessively and never have a hangover even after stopping drinking in the morning. But for most of us, a hangover is a common symptom of over-alcohol consumption. So, what is the best way to treat a hangover? To better understand this, really not understand the science of a hangover. And the first reason for a hangover is the obvious one, the consumption of liquids. So by overproducing urine, because you're drinking more excessively, more liquids, you're continuously dehydrating yourself because it body assumes that it's a liquid, so it's absorbing it and pushing out all the regular liquids in our body. And over time, we eventually become dehydrated because of this. 
The second reason we are hungover is because there's a systemic inflammatory response that happens both around the immune response to our body and in our stomach lining. And this is because of acetylhyde. And this is a normal byproduct of alcohol metabolism. And the body doesn't like it. Actually, many people recognize it as a carcinogen. It is not a healthy byproduct to have in your body. Now, don't get too worried about this, though. There, acetylide is in a lot of products. It's in fresh fruit. It's in your coffee. It's naturally produced in a lot of things. But overextended amounts of it is not good for the body. And that's why you're not feeling good right off the get-go is because of this byproduct. The third reason is because your body goes through a stage of euphoria. You feel really good when you drink and your body's releasing all this dopamine in the brain. There's a lot of neurotransmitters that change when you're drinking. And as soon as you come down from that feel good feeling, your body's in this unhomeostatic response. So it makes you feel really, really tired and weird. And finally, the last reason, it's a good reason, is you just don't sleep as well. Alcohol is a stimulant, even though it makes us sleepy in large, large amounts, and you just don't get a good night's rest when you drink a lot of alcohol. So that's why sleeping off a hangover is a thing. But sleepiness isn't just one of the side effects. You know all of them. I mean, fatigue and weakness. You get really thirsty because thirsty you're dehydrated, the headaches, nausea, vomiting. Um, you can have insensitive stomach, uh, sensitivities to light. Um, some people who drink too much, I mean, you can pass out, you can throw up, you can aspirate, you could die, you could stop breathing. That's why you don't overconsume alcohol. It can be a fun time, but it can be extremely dangerous in over amounts. So be very careful, space out your alcohol, drink some water in between, and you won't have these problems. So then the question comes in, what is the ultimate cure for a hangover? And here it is, folks. Drum roll, please. There isn't one. It's called not drinking too much. So stop drinking too much. There is no magical cure for a hangover. Everyone thinks there's this magic pill you can just take. There isn't. There isn't a drug on earth that can stop a hangover. But there may be something that could help. Now, there may be no cure, but there is a drug that could be taken the night before, especially after your last drink. Or you could take it in the morning to kind of see if it helps you. And that's dihydromyrcin. Dihydromyrcin is a flavonoid. We've kind of known about it for a while, but haven't been really using it. It's really popular in Chinese medicine. But they're starting to look at it and study it to see if it can help with alcoholic dependency and hangovers. Now, it was originally used as a laxative and an antiparasitic. But they're starting to see some really good data with dihydromyrcin as using for anti-alcohol intoxication, shouldn't say metabolism. It helps promote metabolism of the alcohol that's in your body and also decreases absorption in the intestines to make you less drunk. Now, the best thing of all, you don't need a prescription for this. This stuff is over the counter. You can buy it at any drugstore. You can buy it at herbal and medicine stores. There's actually people that make the anti-hangover over the counter. You can buy it at the gas station and you just drink it the night before. But be very careful with your sources again. I always say look at where your source of everything that you buy because again, supplements aren't really regulated like they are prescription and other medications. That itself also kind of regulates it, but there's not really a big standard of body regulation that comes with a lot of these over-the-counter herbal chemical remedies. So just be careful on how much you take, okay? Don't think if you take more, you'll never get hung over. Take the normal dose. Don't overdo it. But it could help you. But again, my suggestion is don't overconsume. It's not worth it, especially liver failure. You know how hard it is to treat liver failure without getting a new liver? It's not easy. 
But all right, folks, that's all I got for you today. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful day as always. If you have any questions or concerns about the show, go ahead and hit me up with a message on any of the social media platforms. I'll be looking for you. Take care, stay addicted to your health, and I will see you next time.